<laughs> Howdy. <laughs> I was hello. trying to think of like a Midwest way to say hello, but I don't know that that exists. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of one, but a very Texas hello to you. Yes, love it. How's it going? Cool. Good. It's been a busy week. How about you? Yeah, you've been swamped with work. Well, like, I took the first few days of the... I'm, like, trying to take some time off before the semester starts back up to, like, relax but also prep. But then I got asked to do a couple, like, one-off things this week. Like, I was subbing on Thursday. And then today I was doing workshops, like, both of which were very fun but very full days. Mm -hmm. And a lot of just, like, being flexible and available, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it was good. Today, I got to teach middle schoolers about zines and then also about painting. And that was fun. And we actually made a zine today and everybody got to go home with a copy. Um, So that was cool. I got to, like, radicalize a little bit. Yeah, what was your zine about? Well, (laughs) it was supposed (laughs) to be... The, I mean, basically the whole like theme of the day was storytelling. And so we were trying to talk about emotions and like tapping into feelings and like visualizing those feelings. Cause these students are like 10 to 13 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think some of them really went for it, but then others just kind of did their own thing. And you know what? Like I'm okay with that. That used to bother me, but now my attitude is like, you know, if you're engaging with the work at least a little bit and you're getting something out of your time and you're getting to do something you don't normally get to do, like, I'll take it. That's that's enough. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not being, like, disruptive or, like, taking away, like, yeah, yeah. just, like, being in that environment. I know with, like, yeah. I was, like, gardening with kids one day and there's this one kid who was just, like, so anti being there and I was like okay you can just like sit in the corner like you want to but then he came over and like helped us like halfway through so yeah yeah had space to do their own thing exactly I feel like that's really what like most kids but like people in general want is just to be allowed not even allowed but like to have the autonomy to choose how they're spending their time mm-hmm. and kids like so rarely get that everything's like so scheduled and so regulated and so I feel like especially in stuff like you're doing like with food and gardening and stuff that I'm doing with art it's like there's no need for us to be rigid right it's like you're here you're participating but also like the students are going to get what they want out of the time um and so if what they want or what they need is slightly different than what I had planned, like, that's fine. I can be yeah. and adjust. I would rather have them, like, have a have a good experience uh, to be, like, super hardcore about, you're going to follow my lesson plan. Right. You know? I feel like we're, like, the fun aunts of education. Because <laughs> we don't, I mean, maybe you have this a bit more than I do, but, like, we don't have, like, curriculum that they absolutely need to learn like for like standardized tests or something like that so it's like a little bit less pressure and you can be more flexible and just like be there for like the social emotional learning aspect absolutely sometimes that freaks students out though like I've definitely had students in the past like all age groups even actually especially college where like not giving them a super defined um like steps or a super defined endpoint, uh, kind of freaks them out. They're like, "What? <laughs> like, what do you mean?" That would have been me. That would have been me. And I'm like, "Well, you get to choose. Like, this is up to you. I'm making suggestions. I'll give you a starting point, but like, this is on you <laughs> to like finish how you want and how it makes sense to you." Uh, some people, yeah, some people have a hard time with that, which is understandable because it's like so different from, like you're saying, from the rest of school. Mm-hmm. and standardized testing but it is cool to be like part of facilitating those um experiences for students I really like it yeah and also like not only is it hard to know like where you want to go sometimes but if you're like 
planting seeds with a kid and having them take it home to water and take care of it, like a lot of times it's not going to make it, you know, like you can't, like, it's just like the medium, you can't control what's going to happen. So it's more about like the learning process of it all. Exactly. Yeah. And like that, that kind of stuff comes up a lot in art classes too, of course, because so many people, you know, feel like they made a mistake or they messed something up and they're like, Oh, it's ruined. And I'm like, Oh, it's not like 90% of the time you can fix it. Make it work. Make it work. like the like I think it was Julia Child like famous chef said you know like never tell people what you're making ahead of time like if you tell them like I'm gonna make you perfectly poached eggs and then you fuck them up like if you had already told them you were making poached eggs and they know you messed up but if you like don't tell them anything (laughs) and then you present scrambled eggs and you're like look at these amazing scrambled eggs I made they'll be like wow you're such a good chef you know that's hilarious and also very (laughs) smart yeah we love it we stand julia (laughs) wow cool so that's been education corner uh welcome to voracious taylor and i usually call each other on the phone and like catch up before we start recording um but i was running a little late today so we decided to just jump right in so y'all y'all get to be privy to the catch up yeah, like it gives gives them a taste of our lives outside of reading. <laughs> the the ketchup, the ketchup, ketchup, <laughs> the mustard ketchup. You see where I'm going with this? Is it is it condiment related? Yeah. Yes. Because we were, we're talking, talking about, about food. food. Yeah. Okay. I'm always down for a food pun. I know. That's yes. I love that about you. <laughs> Puns in general. Oh yes, I'm the pun queen. You are. Um. But yeah, should we, anything else, anything else on your mind um, before we jump Um, in? I guess I'm curious what else you've been reading, but we could come back to that at the end. Okay. I do want to say before we jump in, last episode, we talked about dreams and I said I hadn't had a nightmare in a long time. Well, this week I had a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if I like manifested that for myself or not, but anyway. I texted you about it. It wasn't that exciting of a dream, but it felt really intense in the moment. So of course, yeah. RIP my brain. <laughs> um, okay. But one thing before we talk about this section, we missed corrections. Last week. Yes. We have our first corrections corner. Taylor, you were the one that caught it. Do you want to bring us up to speed? Yeah. Okay. So I was talking with Marley on the phone. Like we were just hanging out and catching up. And I was like, Marley, like, we missed a big part of the chapter like we missed jay's heart thing and she was like no like we talked about it like we talked about jay and i was like no 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 like his heart thing like how he's like he got held under a wave for a while and like kind of like almost drowned and that put a lot of pressure on his heart and now he has like um he can't give himself like adrenaline. Like he can't do anything too exciting. And Marley, you were like, Oh, I thought you meant his heart thing. Like his thing with this new woman, like that kind of heart <laughs> thing. Like love. Yeah. Romance. Yeah. Cause we definitely talked about Laura, but it's funny because Laura was even involved in us learning about the heart thing because yeah, you, you reminded me, um, that he told her about it and she was the only one that like didn't act like it would ruin his life. And he really, well, I think he was, she was the that. only one he had told. Right. Well, like, but I think that was part of it is like her reaction was exactly what he needed where she was just like, okay, you'll find something else to do. Yeah. You know, she didn't treat it like, Oh my God, like this is so devastating. And like your life is over. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll be good together. Maybe she'll be good for him. I I like her already. But also the heart thing, like it said it was a hereditary thing. Yes. Like it was kind of like laying low and that like one incident he had where he was like pinned under that like started it like, I don't know, got it going for him. And so I see that and I'm like, oh shit, like which of the other siblings have it? Yeah. Or is it going to become part of one of the parents storyline too oh yeah that's interesting because i hadn't thought about the siblings but you're right it could be with the other siblings or it could and obviously it's related to at least one parent yeah so 
Yeah, we'll see where it goes, but definitely has potential to, like, wreak havoc for multiple characters. Oh, for sure. Including Jay. So, yeah, we kind of, by forgetting that, that was a very um, small yet important plot point. I feel like that was kind of, like, the biggest, like, not a plot twist, but just, like, a thing to drop on us. Like, most dramatic, what do you think? Dropped in such a casual way, which I think is why we forgot about it it was so like such a minor point in the context of the rest of the chapter that it was easy to gloss over even be super pivotal i assume Mm -hmm. predicting it's going to be super pivotal yeah and i think like so much other shit had gone on in the chapter that we like weren't thinking about that part yeah well like the way that TJR writes, like, it's so, on the surface, approachable and easy, but then, like, there, she packs so many layers so elegantly that it, like, feels effortless, but then, yeah, like, taking the time to really go through each section the way that we are, oh my god, there's actually, like, so much detail in here and so much coming up already that we just know is going to be important later, but like, isn't yet, but she's setting it up mm-hmm. like so skillfully. We're and not missing suddenly, anything. We're not missing anything. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Like we're on it. We're, we, I feel like we're we trying. Have, like, we have like magnifying glasses going through this book. Yeah. We are the little detective emojis. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's probably like your most used emoji huh honestly it's not it doesn't come up as often as you would think but i do love it we'll put a list of our like recently used emojis in yeah. the in the show notes for this episode i wish i wish the emojis would show you because they show you frequently used but i wish they would show like most used time over stats. time yeah because i guarantee the crying laughing is in my top three <laughs> I get, that's oh that one i use like on a daily basis because it's like happy but also distressed <laughs> <laughs> all um, right should we talk about <laughs> 11 to noon yes okay that's what we're here for that's what the people want yes Kinley's listening to us. I told you that. But, like, he's, like, actually listening. Oh, okay. I think we figured out who our two listeners are. It's Kinley and I think Amelia <laughs> said she's been, like, listening to most of them, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I told my boss today at the after the workshop we were cleaning up and I told her and our, like, high school aide about the pod. So maybe we'll get some new, yes. some new people. I need to just text her a link and be like, hey, by the way, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yes, okay, so we're on 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Yes. So we're getting into it. Into the thick of it, as, you know, the TikTok audio said. Into the said. thick of it. You sung it way better than me. Um, okay. We're getting there, because... <laughs> I'm just in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> hey, it's Friday. You should be. That's also a TikTok audio. You know that, right? The into the thick of it? I'm no, but I'm mood. just in a silly, goofy mood. Oh, no, I didn't get that reference. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's Shamar Moore, uh, who we all know and love as Derek Morgan from Criminal Minds. I don't know what clip they got it from from him. I think it was some sort of, like, interview or, like, recorded thing. But, yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I spend a lot of time on TikTok, so y'all can uh, come hang out with me there. Uh, meantime, we'll get back. <laughs> sorry y'all i've been trying not to have afternoon coffees but i'm having an afternoon coffee and i think it's uh impacting performance it's hitting yeah it's hitting <laughs> um so taylor do you want to do you want to start us off with this section what struck you the most Ooh, like in the whole section sure i mean yeah. Mick's just an asshole. Like, we saw this coming, <laughs> but he's the worst, and now we have proof. <laughs> he's, 
He's a shit. Like, uh. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sway a little from how we normally do this. Like, I'm gonna hop into the like flashback first and just kind of talk it. about my feelings, and do then it. we can yeah. dissect it. We're, but like, we're in the space for feelings today. Visualize them, interpret them, whatever <laughs> you do. Let's do it. Okay, so he's just so like he's been cheating on June. Like, yep. I mean, she had her suspicions, but, like, we slowly realized, like, he's fucking slept with, like, probably, like, 20 women or something. Like, yeah, like a, a lot short, of people. Like, in a short course of time. Like, maybe a in year, like a year, year and a half. Yes. Yeah. And, like, but the Boyfriend's way he busy. presents it, he's, like, oh, I tried so hard, but they just kept, like, flinging themselves at me. And it just, like, wore down my willpower. I know. And, and then the whole thing of, like, oh, I cheat, but that makes me a better husband. Yeah, he's, like, like I can no, still, like, not. be there for my family. Like, no. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, like, what gets him, what, like, is finally different is that, like, one of the women doesn't really want him back. I think it was, like, Carol, right? Like, Hud's mom. Yeah. Um she's like too cool for Jay or too cool for Mick and like he can't handle that and just like loses his shit over it. Yeah. And is super, super into her. But then clearly she like caves and they end up having some repeated rendezvous. Um, but then, okay, I do like, do we have any other incendiary things to say about Mick? Because I'm happy to stay on that train. Um, or we can like pivot the track slightly. Cause I want to talk about June. Like I was really struck by June in this section. Yeah. You can talk about June. Go for it. Okay. So like I was so um, unexpectedly like struck by the first few pages of the flashback. So 77 to 79 when like, just to recap, what happens is June is at home, Nina's a toddler, June has just had Jay, so he's a baby, and this woman, like, Mick is on tour, and this woman shows up at the door and hands June this baby, and is basically like, I can't do this, the boy needs his father, this is your problem now, I'm leaving. And it's, her name's Carol, and she's an actress, and she and Mick had had an affair, and the, and HUD... That's the baby's name, Hudson, um, is only a couple months younger than Jay. So, like, Carol and June were pregnant at the same time. And, like, <sighs> philandering. Philandering has been occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there's so many good, like, big vocab words associated with cheating. It's great. Um but yeah, so that's what happened. But then June, like, I fucking love this. June is obviously, like, wigged the fuck out and upset and, like, shocked and taken aback because she was just going about her business and, you know, like, normal. And then this just literally landed on her doorstep. And she doesn't know what to do at first. And the baby's crying and she's confused and upset. But then she just decides, like, this kid needs somebody to love it. And I'm going to do that. yeah and like it works like he stops crying he like feels accepted i mean as much as he can understand that like yeah that was a really big thing of her like that felt very powerful can i also think it's beautifully written so like simply written and i think that's where the impact comes from can i read yeah a little bit okay this boy needed someone to love him and she could do that that would be a very easy thing for her to do She pulled him close to her, as close as she could, as close as she'd held her own babies the day they were born. She held him tight and put her cheek to his head and she could feel him start to calm. And then, even before he was silent, June had already made up her mind. I will love you, June told him. And she did. Like, that's fucking incredible. That's really, like, I don't know, that really struck me because she didn't have to do that. Um... But she did, and I feel like that's amazing. I also love, like, looking back at it today. I didn't think about this when I first read it, but looking back at it today. um, That's such a, like, thesis statement for love is an action. Love is a verb and love is a choice, right? Mm. It's not this passive thing. Um, And she's choosing, she's actively choosing to love this child. Like, as her own. Yeah, because it's going to be good 
mostly for the child, but also better for her too, rather than to be angry at the child, right? Um, her anger is all rightfully directed at Mick and a little bit at yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's well, it feels really like legit. It feels like very powerful in the sense that like she is a stay-at-home mom. She's like kind of all she's doing is just like taking care of the house, which I mean is a lot, but like she doesn't have anything else going on in her life, but like she's doing this the best she can and she's like really good at it. Like she's, she's giving all this love. Yeah, and so that feels like like you know when people talk about like the like unpaid labor and like women at home oh my God, and yes, how like that's whole, yeah like that's what this felt like to me that's interesting i think there is a lot of that i think there is a lot of that and i think that's why june ends up like in in a slightly different way like not totally cutting mick out at this point because at first she has all this anger and this righteous indignation but then it sort of digresses to this point where she can tell, like, she can't win this fight with him right now. Because yeah, so he threatens to take HUD away because he's his baby. He's like, yeah, if you don't want me here, like, I'm leaving with my kid. Yeah, and we get the snippet of, like, she tries to change the locks to lock him out. And the locksmith won't do it without, like, the husband's permission. And so we do get this sort of undercurrent of, like, she really doesn't have a ton of power Mm -hmm. in this situation in terms of like the actions that she could take against him um it's almost like a silent like revenge like by she's gonna like be a mom like she's gonna be the best mom and that's i don't know that's almost getting back at him it feels like to me i don't know like i guess that's not that's interesting that's not where i was taking it i guess i'm thinking more about like when um like for a while acquiesces and like lets nick back into their lives even though she's still angry and still upset there's a period of time where like she kind of tries to make it work with him i guess because we like time skips forward pretty quickly um and like you were saying she's taking care of the house like she's loving the kids the best she can she's trying to be the best like mom and the best wife that she could be despite these circumstances um and she's like still upset like her her feelings towards him are described as an ulcer i think it's an emotional ulcer not a literal one but maybe it's both um, she has been drinking a lot <laughs> she's been drinking a lot yeah and so but she's like trying to do the like quintessential thing of like i got i gotta make it work i gotta make it work for the family like i'll push my feelings aside and i'll do what i have to do um for better or worse she's trying to make that that's the choice she has made but mick just keeps freaking cheating and we get like more um info about relationships he has another relationship with a woman named veronica lowe and ultimately even though june is trying to make it work for the kids, but also kind of with him. At one point, he just shows up. At, he comes home drunk, packs a suitcase, and says, I'm taking Veronica to Paris. And he's out, and he's gone. And that's how he leaves the family. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, he's he's just like, I can't be a family man. Like, I shouldn't have been... Um, like, I'm not the family man that you wanted me to be. He, like, kind of tries to blame her um, on, like, expecting all these things from him that he could never do. Even though it's like, buddy, that's not, like, her fault. <laughs> and saying that, like, Veronica was the w woman who could save him. Like, right. Oh, no. Like, that's I thought it was that's June, but it was Veronica. That's yeah, such no, a that, it's it, not it anybody. It feels like such a cop-out. And also, like, he was not born a bad man. Like, I feel like he set this destiny for himself and he just kind of like was like oh i'm gonna be a cheater yeah. i can't do this where it's like no you just didn't try very hard right but it's easier it's, e it's so much easier to not take that blame on yourself and not hold yourself accountable it's so much easier to blame other people mm. and that's exactly yeah like blaming his parents and blaming yeah. his parents blaming the women because he's also counting on the women to save him and it's like this is not their project yeah uh, nor are they capable of doing this 
because June yeah. did everything quote unquote right. That's not a her problem. That's a him problem. Yeah. Right. Ugh, I get so salty. Um, <laughs> and so he leaves. And so like where we end the chapter is Mick has left the family and um, we kind of don't know what's going to come of them. And June is trying really hard to like stay true to herself and stay grounded. And she, you know, she says, I will be more than just this. I am more than just a woman. He left. But then, you know, we're still sort of left. Like the, the family still feels like it's been left with a hole in it. Mm -hmm. And like something's lost. Like she and the three kids. Um, this is where it gets a little interesting in terms of what might comes next because we have not heard anything at all about Kit and we obviously know that Kit is born at some point but we don't know we still have that guess that she's not that she's not June like either of theirs yeah yeah like is she June's and not Mix is she Mix and not June's is June pregnant and doesn't know it like how how where does Kit come from <laughs> And how does Kit come into the world? We don't know that yet because it's just June and the three. And I think she comes along a bit later. Like, didn't we I figure so. out there were like five or six years between yeah, Kit so and the boys? Yeah, crazy amount of time, but like definitely a few years. Yeah. I don't know if it's quite five or six. Maybe five or six between she and Nina. Okay. But yeah, so like we got we got a couple years like unaccounted for so far um but it does seem like going with predictions it seems like this is where well i guess my prediction is that this is where june gets back in like the family business with the restaurant yeah. because she ends up calling up her parents well she calls up her yeah. mom and yeah. tells her mom that he left them and her mom's like well if he comes back then, like, you got to decide whether to keep him or not. And if he doesn't come back, then, like, you always got your dad and me. And so I think that was a good response. In. I mean, there because there's no good response to, you know, hey, my significant. But I think that was a pretty good one. It was really supportive. Yeah. Without, like, telling her what to do. And without sugarcoating it, too. Yeah. 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 So, like, I like her name's Christina. Mama Costas, Christina Costas. I kind of like her. She's growing on me a little bit. Um, mm. so I wanted we'll to ask see. you, like, the last um, sentence in this chapter about how um, June, Nina, Jay, and Hudson, they'd all lost something. They are now living mm -hmm. with a different sized hole in each one of their four hearts. Mm -hmm. What do you think, like, why is it a different size hole? Like, how do you think losing mick was different for each of them uh because they had different relationships like i that's a great question i hadn't thought about that when i um read it but i think it's because they all with him hudson is an infant and really doesn't know him at all so i think mm, he, he hasn't been around that. maybe he feels that abandonment because I, I think kids can sense things without being consciously aware of it or having like quote-unquote knowledge like they still know it's a different kind of knowing mm -hmm. and so I think maybe the babies have that sense of some sort of loss or some sort of big change and not having something um but I don't know that Jay and HUD were old enough to process what it really meant in the first place Nina's who's a toddler like she's more aware that Jay I'm sorry that Mick is gone yeah she seems pretty like emotionally intelligent like there's yeah, one scene where kid yeah like there's one scene where um like June is just trying to figure all this shit out and she like sits Nina down in front of the television like with the intent of like having the tv be the babysitter basically and like it says, like, Nina, like, sat there. She knew it was, like, even from that age, like, she yeah. knew how to read a room. So, yeah. Exactly. And that, 
that's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see if June starts to rely more on Nina as the oldest child. Especially being a daughter, too. Yeah, I feel like that's where this is headed. And the comments we've gotten in previous sections about Nina, you know, feeling like she's raised children. Mm. Um, but then I think, I think to like to finish answering your question, I think for June, yeah, that's a different size hole in her heart because obviously her relationship with Nick is so much more uh, complex. Mm -hmm. There's so much more time involved and I imagine she feels a loss like multiple kinds of lot like obviously I've never I, I guess it's not obvious but for those who don't know I've never been married much less had a husband cheat on me and leave me with three infants one of whom is not mine um so <laughs> like I've never had that experience but I can imagine that she's feeling the loss of like literally him right? Because he's a presence who's now gone. She's feeling the loss of what they had at the beginning of their relationship. She's feeling the loss of what she wanted that relationship to be and what she was hoping it would be in the future. And what it was for a while. Like she's exactly. feeling the loss of like her just normal life. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, maybe loss of like a little bit of innocence, not in like a childish way, but in a like now she's really been through some shit mm. kind of way. I mean, like, lots of different kinds of loss there. And a lot of anger and maybe, like, self-doubt, too. I mean, like, so many really tricky, like, sticky emotions um, involved there. Especially because she's also pretty young. Like, we have to keep in mind that although these people are married and have multiple children... They're definitely still in their 20s. June is mm -hmm. probably still under the age of 25. She's probably like our age. Yeah. So Damn. like. That's a lot. All pretty quickly to have dated, gotten married, had two children and another kid dropped off at your door. Um, within the span of maybe five years, four years. Yeah. It's really intense. A um, lot of change. I do think it's cool, though, like, there's a lot of language in this chapter reinforcing that HUD is part of the family. He's not, like, the bastard son or the, you mm -hmm. know, denigrated, like, outcast. <laughs> I'm interested to see, like, how HUD and Jay's relationship turns into what it is. Because we do kind of get a, like, sense from the beginning. Well, okay, so they're trying to raise them as twins. Like, they're playing it off that they're twins. Um but we get the sense from the beginning that they're just very different. Like it talks about them both crying, but mm -hmm. like crying, like alternating. asynchronous. Yeah. Like alternating. And so that just felt like a really powerful example, but like um, another way they phrase it on page 76, um, Hud's entire life, he'd always felt that Jay was not just his brother, but his closest friend. The two of them were forever tied to each other, twisting and turning both in unison and in opposition, a double helix, each necessary to the other's survival. So, like, we've gotten a taste of this, like, each necessary to the other's survival through their careers with how, right. like, HUD needs Jay to photograph who needs HUD to photograph him, you know? Like, it's, yeah. they're very tied that way. But I'm interested to see, A, if they tell them that they're not, yeah, like, wins. do they know? We have no idea. Yeah. Know. Or are they, do they just have this, like, strife with each other, like, and they don't really know why? Yeah. Yeah, we have no idea um, who in the family knows at this point. Yeah, because I think when it came up before that they're half-siblings, I think, like, it was just, like, the narrator saying it. Right. I don't think it was any of the siblings talking about it. And I don't think it was ever explicitly stated that they were half-siblings. I think it was when HUD's physical characteristics were being described. It was so starkly different. No, they that, said they were half-brothers. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're right. I, I think it was just the narrator who was saying that. Um, I do love the double helix imagery because obviously that's DNA and they only share half of their DNA. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Man, I'm thinking about that movie Gattaca. 
mm-hmm. that everyone watched in seventh grade science class because everyone's seventh grade science teacher was in love with Jude Law. Anyway. That's so funny. It was my freshman year bio teacher for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, like, maybe it was shown in a couple different grade levels. Great movie. Um, I actually don't even remember it that much, but I remember it being fun. I mean, that's the only way I remember is like cool. the different letters for the the things. We digress. Sciencey people on this we- podcast. <laughs> you know what? We could have been. We chose not to be. That's true. Um. <laughs> uh, Okay, so also, I guess, just to, like, since you brought us back to the first couple of pages of the yeah. section where we get the siblings, we're getting closer to lunch. We're not at lunch yet. <laughs> You're no. just really waiting for lunch. So close! Um, we oh, see- my God, you know what we should do, speaking of lunch? What? like, you want to have some? Well, yes, but we should make, like, any food they, like, have in the book, we should make it. Okay. You ever do good. that? That's what my parents' book club does. Like when they like we need meet. to start with sugar cubes and whiskey <laughs> as an appetizer. Yeah, a moosh boosh. No, but that's what my parents' book club does. Is every time Cute. they meet, like they'll for dinner, they'll make like a meal from the book. That's really cute. Yeah, my home and my kitchen are open to you whenever you want to fly down. <laughs> Okay. Anytime. Uh, yeah, that would be cute. But yeah, so we're not at lunch yet, so we don't know what they're having for lunch. Not yet. <laughs> we'll no, probably out. some sort of seafood. Probably. A safe bet. Uh, when was the last time you had seafood? Taylor is vegan slash vegetarian, for those who don't know. Uh, when was the last time you had seafood? Oh, man. I feel like it's been a long time for you. Yes, I went through, like, I did go through, like, a stint of eating meat, like, after I had become vegetarian, but, like, I feel like I didn't eat a ton of seafood in that time. I want to say, like, fried calamari is probably, like, the last seafood I had. That was, like, a good go-to for me, yeah. Yeah, that's a a solid choice. Um, Yeah, I don't know, because I think, yeah, the times that, since you have been veg the times that i've seen you eat meat it has not been seafood no it's like chicken or beef or steak yeah Hmm. well we'll work on it i don't know what i meant by that (laughs) (laughs) i was like we'll work on making like a veg seafood option yeah that'd be cool i've seen like oh gosh like ceviche you know like the like Mm -hmm. raw fish salsa do i know what ceviche is okay just Sorry, that was that was condescending. But I've seen no, that. No, it condescending. Veg. It's just like I'm from the Gulf Coast. Okay, that's fair. But what were you saying? What do they use to? As a oh, I don't, I don't know. I've never actually like looked at the recipe for it, but I have seen it done. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're okay. on their way to lunch. <laughs> on their way to lunch, Kit. Like Kit calls. Uh, Jay out on his shit for being like I gotta go get gas and he's like meeting up with his woman like mm-hmm. she like literally like looks at the gas tank and it's like half full and she's like what the fuck Jay <laughs> yeah but also he's such a like a dick of a brother she's like walks out of the house yeah dressed and she doesn't usually wear dresses but she like is clearly trying to try something new and like feels kind of cute and then he makes some like asshole comment about it and she goes and changes. And like, oh my god, that's so relatable. Also very queer-coded. Mm-hmm. I know! <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Like, I don't want to push Kit into anything. I want her to just be who she is. But, like, I'm just saying. I'm just rooting for some representation here. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. So we get a little more into their dynamic. It seems very, like, brother-sister, like, bullshit of like we annoy each other and piss each other off but also like love each other very much and are actually very important to one another Mm -hmm. and don't stay angry very long right right i thought it was funny though when they were like um like they're giving jay shit for like obviously picking up hud on the way to lunch yeah yeah Yeah. and so hud and kit are giving him a hard time yeah and then like 
kids like oh like jay was running a secret operation and hud was like what secret operation jay was like it's nothing lay off and then it says and that's when everyone knew it was a woman i yeah. thought that was funny it was funny and then immediately the narrator's talking about how jay like relaxed a little bit because you can tell HUD, he's thinking, HUD like, relaxed a sorry hud relaxed a little bit yeah because you can tell hud's thinking like oh thank god like if he's dating someone new maybe he won't be that mad that i'm with his ex yeah yeah eh, to be determined jay to me seems like he could be a little volatile <laughs> so we'll Jay's find got out. some Mick going on in him. I, I, I feel like that. He might, and I'm sorry, but like the character with the heart problems has to be the one with the like hot head, because we got to get him in a situation whether he's seeking adrenaline, uh... or angry, or like something where he has some sort of big like either emotional or like physical outburst. Maybe that's not where we're headed, but I think it would make a lot of sense. I could see that. I was thinking more just like he won't be able to keep away from surfing and just goes back into that. I think that too, but I mean, I don't know. What if he like rage surfs? What if he's like mad? Mm -hmm. Like I don't know my feelings, so I'm going to go like take a risk that I shouldn't. And you know? Yeah. I like that prediction. We'll see. We'll hold on to that one. But yeah, so this, this chapter was a lot of backstory and really hud's origin story um mm-hmm. which is like sad and relatable and like kind of also beautiful like i'm really curious to see how june's relationship with her children evolves because she see like right now she sort of strikes me as someone who like is a good mom and really wants to be a good mom and like has a lot of love to give and tries to give it like as well and as freely as she can um, but I'm wondering how that's going to play out as the kids get older and as her situation evolves to what their relationships are going to be like. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm just thinking like she has no income. She's probably going to have to go to work and she's not going to have as much time to focus on the kids. Oh, but see, I don't know. Cause she and Mick aren't divorced. He's just oh, do you think he's going to, like, send her money? I mean, they do get to keep the house. Like, we know the house yeah. from the kid's childhood, like, stays with them until they're adults. I don't know. I would not I would not be surprised if he continued to support them. It did say he was sending money to HUD's mom, like, yeah. throughout her time with him. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, we'll see how that goes. But I'm also f- feeling... Like I kind of mentioned earlier, like June is going to start relying on Nina more. And I'm it also a little suspicious that she might really lean into being an alcoholic. Yeah. I don't want that for her, but we are getting hints at her like drinking to cope. And so maybe now that Mick is gone, that'll get better. Um, but maybe not. Yeah. We'll see. That was everyone's favorite coping mechanism in the 50s. And 70s and 80s. Yeah, still. And uh, maybe still. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I have a lot of hope for June, but also some sinking feelings. You're rooting for her, though. Yeah. Because I think, like, deep down, not even that deep down, I think she's a good person and tries really hard, but I think. At least right now, there's a lot of external bullshit that could get the better of her. Mm. Yeah, I feel like she just kind of got roped into this life and, like, almost kind of, like, conned into it. That's interesting. Well, I guess we talked about this before, because she was also, like, actively pushing for it. But I feel like she got played, at least. I mean, she kind of, with the cheating, yeah... Um, I can see that, but I also feel like it's a case of like a very depressing in its banality um, case of reality not meeting expectations. Mm. And like, how do you cope with that? Mm. Can you? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this chapter was a little sad. Yeah. Ended on kind of a 
melancholy note. What's our next chapter? So next we're going to be reading noon to 1 p.m. Um, I think we might finally get lunch. <laughs> and we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this will be the chapter where we see all four siblings in one place. Because we haven't gotten there yet. We had two and now we have three. And now is at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, because she's already there. Right, and so they're going to meet her there, I think. I mean, we'll Yeah. Um, Wait, what's your breakdown? Because, so I flipped ahead to 1 p.m., and that seems like a pretty, like, normal size, what we've been doing. But then, like, 1 yeah. to 2 is only, like, five pages. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. So maybe we can um, talk about doing two to three together i don't know maybe here's what we should do so for the next episode we'll do noon to one and then let's read one to two and see like maybe it's a particularly juicy five pages okay true. we'll leave it but if it's not then we can add the next section okay stay in true to our format i like it yeah or we can just have a, a much longer like dream corner <laughs> <laughs> i think everyone would hate that Wait, tell me what else you're reading now, though. Have you been... You oh, got any yeah. other books going? I mean, always. So I've right. been reading the Outlander series for years. Right. Um, I'm on book six. The short... For context, the short books in this series are 800 pages. So here at the latter half of the series, we're working on like 1,400-page books. Uh, I'm on page like 900-something. Making nice. progress. That's a good, like, chill before bed book. Um, so that one, I just finished a really cute fanfic. I don't know if I told you this or if I told somebody else, but like, I've started, I've determined that like, I'm just going to read book like fanfics from now on, and then they can go on my list of books read mm -hmm. because they are books. I'm just reading them on my phone. So it's a different experience, but yeah. So those are, those are my mains. Um, I want to start reading... One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston. Yeah. Um, I haven't started it yet, but it's still just, just started that. Okay, cool. I've heard very good things, and I really liked um, Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is the book they wrote previously. Um, oh, okay. It was a big deal, like, last year. I liked that one a lot. Um, I've heard mixed reviews about One Last Stop, actually. Like, I heard mostly good me stuff, too. but then there was, I've like, heard... one person who was like, mm -mm. Yeah, I've heard mixed reviews, but the people that I know who either have read it or are reading it have said good things. So, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, that one's on the list. Oh, dude, I bought this book. I got a few pages into it, but then had to stop because um, I got busy. But I'm really excited for it. It's called The Library of the Dead. And it's set, it's set in Edinburgh. It's like <gasps> a near future supernatural <laughs> um esque edinburgh where things are like mostly the same but slightly different and it's this like i think like teenage or like early 20s girl who like earns a living as a medium mm -hmm. for people and i think it's gonna be very fun that sounds right up your alley how'd you hear oh, about no. that i just found it i was at barnes and noble um oh i Dangerous. think what happened, man i think what happened oh i was buying books for my cousin's baby shower they asked everyone to bring a book instead of a card. And I was love like, that. love that idea. Also, we'll raise you a step further to bring not just one book, but six books for the child. Because <laughs> I number hope one, like, super like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like liberal in your face, like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Progressive so, baby books. But like in a subtle way so that it wasn't yeah. awkward at the shower. I'm playing the long game here. So like <laughs> I'm determined. First of all, the baby the baby has been born. Her name is Emma. She seems very cute. She's big, which makes sense because my cousin's husband is a big dude. Um, we love him. Um, but yeah, like they're doing good. But for the baby shower, it was like, okay, kid hasn't been born, so we don't know what she's into. We want to expose her to a variety of topics. Also, I'm determined that she's gonna be smart. 
which she is because my cousin and her husband are both smart people and like she has lots of influences around her but i'm determined to enable the shit out of that mm-hmm. so um I bought six different books at different reading levels because we want Smart. the ones that are like baby books, right? So she can learn to read, but also she will learn to read faster if we're reading to her above her reading level. So we got the baby books, a um, bunch of different stuff. Some that were like fun, liberal, like progressive stories that I also figured other people wouldn't have already bought, you know, cause like the classics, everybody's going to go buy the classics. So I'm trying Hungry to buy Caterpillar. And then, yeah, exactly. Good night, Moon. Like, okay. <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> and some I bought because the illustrations were just beautiful. Mm. But then I also got her the very first uh, Nancy Drew. Oh, novel. fun. Because it's fun. And, like, you can read it. They can read it to her. But then eventually when she's old enough for chapter books, she can start reading it. But that same day I was like, wow. I might just fuck around and like have a good time at this Barnes and Noble and and stuff. Famous last words. Yeah, like put that on my tombstone. Um, so I bought a bunch of stuff, including this um, Library of the Dead and a couple other things. Um, nice. That I are you a Barnes and Noble member? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Are you? No, I'm not. I just use Jess's. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> must be nice i used my mom's for a long time and then i was like i need to just get my own yeah um, i think hers expired or something but but i just ordered three books from book of the month because i've skipped a couple months uh-huh. I'm busy. um so one book is historical fiction world war ii but it's about a group of black female soldiers from the state that actually my friend's sister wrote. I have never oh, met. Oh yeah, you were talking about this. But like yeah. super. I mean, it's not like a topic I would usually go for, but it sounds like an for a war novel. Like sounds like a very interesting, like fresh angle. Like if you're gonna get into a war novel, this is it's how gonna, you're gonna be do this it. one. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, synopsis sounded great and. Yeah, it's my my friend's sister. I think her first name is Kaya Alderson. So we'll give y'all reviews and updates on that one once it gets here. And then I got um, two others. I don't remember. I think one was like a thriller, which is on brand for me. Thriller! Yeah, right. Uh, man, I was listening to my Halloween playlist the other night and mm-hmm. that song came on. I'm a little bit salty oh about God. how like everyone's already getting into Halloween, but I know that's one of your favorite holidays. Like, it's just like, like, let us have our fun. No, I know, but just, like, the capitalism of it. Like, it's the, like, seeing, Bruh. like, the costumes already and the candy in stores. Okay, can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been I'll gladly, costumes like costumes since March. <laughs> no, I know, I was gonna say I'll gladly, like, brainstorm costumes with you. Like, that's fun, but... Okay. Yeah. But I don't know, what's, like... What's wrong with the capitalism of it? It just feels like they're like, let's see how early we can set these out and have people buy them. Like, the longer you have stuff set out, like, the more people are going to buy. Like, it feels like a trap. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, that's definitely true. Although I feel like it's way more aggressive with, like, Christmas. Yeah. There's Christmas stores, like, year-round. Yeah, and there are stores that already have Christmas stuff out that are not year-round Christmas stores. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I just think Halloween's, like, unproblematic <laughs> and easy and fun. And I love the pageantry of it. Yeah, it is some good pageantry. Yeah, and I haven't, like, dressed up, dressed up in a while, so I'm definitely going to this year. I'm on the hunt for some leather pants. Ooh. for this costume so if you see any let me know i did hook you up with harry styles tickets so i'll, I'll you look for you did they're not hands. the ones that i bought but they were an excellent option yeah an excellent option so this is why yeah see i got a man i'm manifesting these pants for myself right now specifically, it's also how like oh, specifically what i would like high-waisted flares but i'm open to options okay if we're manifesting. <laughs> yes. You said black leather? Yes. Okay. What were you going to um, say? What was I going to... Oh, like, that's how, like, apparently people get jobs a lot of the time. It's like, you just tell people you're looking for a job, and then they, like, I don't know, they keep an eye yeah. open for you. And it's like, who's going to know better than, like, your friends and family? Like, Yeah. 
but I mean, also I can... oh what no that's it that's all I have. um so, can i tell you what i'm reading i was gonna ask yes <laughs> okay um i just finished a book that made me think of you because it was like oh. a, well they talked about it being like a modern day like agatha christie <gasps> on the cover um it cool. was called the guest list by Lucy Dude, I've read Foley. That. you read that yeah i think yeah. it was also on like reese's like book club yeah i read that last year it was good and then yeah. uh, this year i actually just finished her previous novel the hunting party oh how is that it was pretty good i think i liked the guest list a little bit better but hunting party was worth reading okay yeah um yeah guest list was good it had like my like jaw was on the floor like the last like third of the book just like so many twists and turns so many and i also love the i love a good like remote setting (laughs) with dramatic weather like i love it yeah it sounded very beautiful though like i wanted to be on the island yeah another one set that one was also set off the coast of scotland right i think it was ireland was it ireland okay yeah yeah so yeah, I finished that, and then I just started reading also a book about a library, the Midnight Library. Okay, been like making its rounds. Um, no, that's pretty I fun. It's it. like she's kind of like in limbo between life and death, and she's like <gasps> no. her like elementary school librarian is there, and she has all these books that are like all the different ways her life could have played out. Oh my god! Yeah, and so she gets to like read them and like kind of like time travel or like dimension travel and like hop into these other people's well like her, other versions of her lives that sounds like, really like. cool it's really cool but it also makes me think of this short story that i love called the library of babel that's like mm. talks about this like infinite library that exists with like all the books that could ever be written like and like a lot of them seem like nonsense like it's like all the books mm-hmm. are like whatever like 400 pages there's like x amount of letters on each page x amount of lines and mm-hmm. it's like so it kind of is finite but it's like an infinite amount in that like all of them exist um but yeah it's like the meaning of life is in there and like but also like deceptive meanings of lives that are like not yeah. quite true that's a really good short story i think you'd appreciate that yeah i feel like i've heard you talk about it before i'll try probably to probably um yeah that's really cool well keep me posted on you said that one's called the midnight library mm-hmm. yeah keep me posted on that that sounds really interesting yeah will do that's yeah. all i've got going i usually have like a non-fiction and a fiction going but mm-hmm. i guess I, I started this one book i'd been hearing about for a while um the body keeps score yes i haven't read that but yeah, very well written. So it's about trauma, um, like PTSD, um, but yeah, just how your like body reacts in the face of being traumatized. Um, mm-hmm. And it's written by a scientist, but it's it's pretty accessible. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, you think you're gonna finish it? Um, I feel like for nonfiction, I have to be in like the right headspace. Like I always yeah. kind of dread reading it a little, even if it's a super <laughs> interesting topic. Like because it just feels a little bit like schoolish to me so like it's really easy for me to sit down and open up non or open up a novel but nonfiction, i have to like be more intent about yeah i feel like it's a different approach or like i approach it differently when i'm reading oh what's a different approach i don't know just like i guess what you said it feels a little more academic Mm. yeah that's why i like books that are nonfiction, but that like read like fiction like I feel like especially like biographies or like accounts of like events do really well at this like I'm thinking Mm -hmm. I read like Into Thin Air which is about an um like a disaster on I think that one was Everest um and so it like goes through like time-wise like chronologically and was just like really interesting or like um Scott Kelly's account of like living on the um, International Space Station for a year, year and a half. Mm. Like, and so that was really cool because you're just like seeing into another person's life. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I also find like with nonfiction, I find I like those a lot for audiobooks. Like, typically, mm. I won't. Like, if I'm really serious about a book, I want to have a physical copy. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes, if I know, like depending on the mood um 
I do like a good audiobook and I find that like nonfiction for me works especially well for an audiobook. And like, this is kind of nerdy, but it's like, if I'm listening, I can't take notes. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't d- do that. I, it like breaks me out of that school headspace. Like, Oh, I need to annotate and highlight and like that sort of jerk reaction. And like, just kind of what sticks with you sticks with you. Yeah. Like that's how I'm trying to approach reading is like be more open-minded. And instead of like worrying about what if I, what am I going to remember? Like I need to, uh, 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 like I need that, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, <laughs> anxious noises. Um, <laughs> just like really being present in the reading of it and seeing what comes of that, because that reveals so much about like priorities and care and like what's impactful. Yeah. Um, trying to do that like in all aspects of my life including my reading um but that reminds me i also recently started listening to parable of the sower by octavia butler as an audio book i am really enjoying it it's speculative fiction it's pretty intense some of it's pretty intense pretty heavy um so i've had to like step away from it for a few days um is it sewing like clothes or seeds no sewing like reap what you sow okay i guess there has been no planting so far but i'm only like i'm, I'm still in the beginning i think it's like 12 hours um, that's pretty short for a yeah i mean she does a lot of short stories too so i think this mm. one heaters between short story and novel which i guess is technically a novella i don't know yeah um, but yeah so good like love octavia butler but it is one that like um, it's kind of hard to listen to, like, when you're trying to eat cereal in the morning and, like, rush out the door. Because it's, like, mm-hmm. a little more intense than that. Um, but we love her. What is speculative fiction? I've never heard that term before. So, I don't... I, I apologize if this is not the dictionary definition, but the way I understand it is it's fiction that looks to the very near future. Or oh. sometimes the not-so-near future. And speculates what it's going to be like. So part of what's heavy about this. Yes. So part of what's heavy about this. um, Actually, let me Google real quick. Because. Oh, I like that typing ASMR. Okay. Yeah. So a genre of fiction that encompasses works in which the setting is other than the real world. Involving supernatural, futuristic, or other imagined elements. Okay. I think my definition was better. Um, But this one's okay. Um. But yeah, so that's part of what's kind of freaky about this one is I think it was written in the 90s. um, And so she was projecting forward to like 2024. Mm. And a lot of the shit that she's talking about is happening right now. And is so like I could so easily see us like being at the point described in the book because it feels a little like post-apocalyptic, even though we don't quite know like how things have gotten that way. Mm -hmm. Um. But talking about how like water is a huge economic commodity. The price but. of gas is so ridiculous that no one drives cars anymore. Like the rich people are going to fucking Mars instead of taking care of like hunger but. and homelessness. Like this is happening. And she knew. And she, I mean, she is an intelligent, a highly intelligent individual who has an imagination. And therefore she was able to imagine pretty fucking accurately. Um, but anyway, that's part of what's eerie about it is she was speculating 25 years ago, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is coming to pass not that differently. So there is a logic to fiction if you're paying attention to the world around you. Um, so anyway, but like a lot of my friends have read that or were recently reading that. So I was like, I really need to get on this. Um, mm. I've read a few of her things pretty like deeply and worked with them um but i would like to read more also amazing that she's a female writer and a black writer and is one of the most prolific science fiction writers ever yeah yeah so she's a good a good one to have on the radar for many reasons yes but yeah that's what's up nice (laughs) yeah cool um before we close out, anything else we need to talk about? I'm pretty confident we didn't miss anything this time, but we'll have no, another corner, corner later if we need to. No, I feel good. Cool. Okay. Well, y'all let us know what you're reading. You can comment on our Instagram 
Taylor, what's our Instagram handle? Voracious underscore podcasts. Nice. Where we share all our pod pets and updates on episodes. So find us there. Come hang out. Let us know what you're reading. Or just how your day is going. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, We'll post this soon. And for next time, we'll do noon. Wait. 11 to Oh, no, noon to 1. Noon to 1. Yeah. (laughs) Noon to 1 p.m., where hopefully we'll get all four Reva siblings at lunch. And more drama will commence. Um, And we'll see what they're having for lunch. Finally. Yes, maybe we can record at lunchtime. (laughs) And have some food ASMR. That might be (laughs) a bit much, but we'll see. Um, But, yeah, until then, this has been Voracious. I don't think we said our names. So, (laughs) if you're still with us, I'm Marley Foster. I'm Taylor Ginter. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.